Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. For pastors' meetings, we serve food. You know, and there's all kinds of different meetings where as soon as you do the food, it seems to bring people. But we got spiritual food that's much better than that. And that's the, I remember one of my pastors said, you know, he said the, the bait is the food or different things that you might do. But he says the hook is the gospel. When you're fishing for men, you got to have the bait. But then the hook is the gospel. It's the, it's the spiritual food. And so that's what we want. And that's what it's all about. So um, today I'm going to um, do part two of, of last week. So um, last week, I don't know how many were here. I think there was a few that were away. But basically, the message is called the problem or the plan. And there, we have to decide which one are we going to be. Are we going to be in the problem or are we going to be in the plan? Because one thing that I've realized, and if you look at this through Scripture continually, there was always a problem operating but in the midst of the problem, God had a plan. And it seems God uses problems to get his plans fulfilled. He, he's a master at it. And he uses things that were like, you know, we, we don't realize that God's up to something. And he, and he does something in the midst of a problem. And so when you look at the Christmas story, we looked at it last week. And I'm not gonna, we're not going to go there this week. But you could see that there were lots of things that man had planned but God in the midst interrupted it, and he had another plan, and he altered lives. We know Mary and Joseph, their lives were completely altered and changed. And it was interrupted by, literally by angels appearing, by angels warning Joseph in dreams. There were so many different situations where they walked in. Zachariah uh, with, with uh, John the Baptist, their son, she was uh, not even able to have children. She was old. And God decides, you know what? I'm going to give them a child. And, and they're going to have John the, uh, John the Baptist. And he's going to prepare the way for the Lord. And God gave Mary, um, uh, Elizabeth, to be a friend and to be able to talk to about having God's baby in her. Because how many would have believed that Mary had God's baby in her? Come on, let's, let's think about it. How many would have, you know, she says, yeah. It's not Joseph's, it's God's. Yeah, right, Mary, like you and Joseph, sure. You're, you're not, and it's, you know, it says Joseph didn't have relations with her till after the baby was born because she had to be a virgin. How many would have believed that? But Elizabeth believed it because the baby leaped in her womb. An angel had appeared to her. And this is the thing about God. He's so personal, and he's so... Um, when he does something in our lives, no one can take it away from you because it's something that he speaks to you that is real to you. And we're going to look at this in the life of Peter. And we're going to kind of take a journey with Peter because, again, we're going to see these three, four things in, in operation. New thoughts, new dreams, new ways, new season. God continually is operating that way. And I, I believe this, and I believe we're going to see this. God's going to begin to unfold that in his people. You're going to begin to get new thoughts. You didn't come up with this. All of a sudden, it's going to drop, and it's going to come. He's going to give you new ways of seeing things. How many of you hit a wall, and you're kind of like, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And you're kind of hitting this, this spot of, 
or how many are just content with where everything's at? If you are, guess what? You'll stay there. But if you're, if you're not, if there's this discontent, it's like, I want, there's got to be something more. We, God, you, you've got something more. And, and this was what was inside of people, and was inside of Peter, was inside of all the ones that Jesus called. Do you realize that Jesus didn't call anyone from the religious community? He called fishermen. He called tax collectors in his 12. He called zealots. A bunch of rebels. You know, uh, the, the, the sons of Zebedee. They, they called the, Jesus had a nickname for him, the sons of thunder. That was, was his nickname. So these guys were bad. These guys were like fiery. And Jesus decides, I'm going to call these guys. I'm not going to the religious community. I'm not going to the synagogue. I'm not picking from the Pharisees and the Sadducees, although they knew the Bible inside and out. He picked guys who were going to be real, that were going to be authentic, and that were going to be willing to be changed. Because that's what it's going to take for us to take these next steps that God has for us. He pours new wine into new wineskins. How many want to become a new wineskin? It's not comfortable. He has to start working out the rough spots, and he has to start moistening up that, that crusty leather. He has to start, you know, massaging it. And sometimes in some of those things that he was massaging, it's like, you know, it, it's uncomfortable. And Jesus, we're going to take a journey with Peter to kind of look at how Jesus got into their lives because he didn't just all of a sudden just plop one day and that was it. In Luke, we get a picture of how Peter was called. And it's in Luke 5. We're going to start at verse 1. It says here, On one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, crowds pressed on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So Jesus is so intentional. Okay, he, he needed a boat, but he knew whose boat he was getting into. And he knew these guys are going to be with me. Why? Because he had spent time with his father. His father had shown him and already unfolded the plan. And he's like, this is how we're going to do it. And what, the first thing that Jesus does is he gets in Peter's boat. How many know that, that Jesus gets in our boat? And you know when he's in your boat. And all of a sudden it's like, it's, it, it's something that takes the normal and begins to, to bring the divine to it. It's like it, there's a call for something more. It's like it resonates. It's like there's something more here. There's something more here. And he began teaching, and they were, you know they were listening. You know that they were wondering what's going on with this guy. Crowds, multitudes were pressing to hear him. And Jesus starts, you know, doing this. And it says, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deep, deeper, and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. 
and a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. So he was overwhelmed by the goodness of God. You know, the Bible says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness. Jesus was literally, you know, one of the greatest ways that Jesus touches people's lives is in the felt need. And we, we, we've got to ask God, to, how can we do this? Because in every person, there's a felt need that Jesus wants to minister to. And in this case, G Peter didn't catch any fish all night. This is a supernatural God. This is, he, he knows something more than I know. And he says here, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partner, James, John, and the sons of Zebedee were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. New thought. New thought was, you're not going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for people. The new way was, drop everything, follow Jesus. What was the dream? He can do anything. I can, I've seen it. You know, when I was in figure skating, God fought with me for three years before I, I dropped it and I laid it down. When I first started my, um, my skating career, I was um, giving it to God. I was praying every day when I went out on the rink. And I, would, I was flying and I was passing everything and I was winning competitions. It was doing great. God and I were in it together, but then it became my idol. Then it became something that I literally... I. I lived and breathed, and I was doing it 30 to 40 hours a week plus school. And I was like, it's all I thought about. But it became an idol. It consumed me, and then it was so empty. But God kept getting to me and kept tr trying to reach me, trying to reach me, trying to reach me. And I'd push it away, push it away, push it away. But he, he gets you. He finally gets you, and it's the, his goodness that, that calls you. And when it calls you, you can't let go of it. And yeah, there were bad things that happened, but it was his goodness. It was his love when I encountered him at a, at a youth. You know what it was? It was um, a youth pastor came to watch us at the rink training, and he couldn't believe if this was in the middle of summer. I trained 40 hours a week in the summer. Not enjoying a hot, a hot summer. I was in, in a freezing cold rink for majority of the summer. And um, he came one time to our training, and he couldn't believe the amount of, of you know, dedication that he saw. And he says, if I could take this. And he had an on-fire youth group. And he says, if I could just take this dedication and put it towards God, there's nothing that we couldn't do. And I had never heard this before, because I grew up in nominal Christianity. I grew up in... You know, it was comfortable, and it was kind of just, you know, it was nice. 
But I was like, what's this guy talking about? You could be like radical for God? You could like go, go for it and, and, and be sold out for God? That was a new concept for me. And it sparked something in me. And I came to the youth group and I saw these guys radical. Just totally passionate for God. Passionate in their worship. Passionate in everything that they did. I saw some really bad guys from our school totally turn around for the Lord and were totally radical and good. Like, really good. Like, a changed life. And I was like, okay, there's something more here. And that was when God started calling me because a deep cries to deep, and especially when you are in the midst of, you know, your, your idols and all the different things. It's empty. It's dead. And it was like he called me to something more. And I believe this is what happened with Peter. He was like, Peter, you know, there's more than just fish. There's more. And, he, and Peter, it says here, he left everything and followed Jesus. I'll tell you, when I went and had to tell my coach that I was quitting skating, I was a wreck. I was bawling my head off. And, I, and I'm like, because I am laying down something I had eight years given, like, a ton of time to. And she's like, okay, if that's what you think you're supposed to do. <laughs> I like, no, it's what I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, she's probably thinking this guy's loop-de-loo. But you know what? I had to. I had to close that door. And, I ha and I'm the type of person I have to tell. I'm not just, I don't just walk away and just assume they know. Like, you need to close that door and make sure it's closed. And that everyone that worked with you understands. We've changed direction here. We're going in another way. And this is what they, these guys did. They left everything and followed Jesus. Talk about a radical change. They're all of a sudden following this guy. And it's, they're seeing miracles. They are going into towns. They're like the ushers. Okay, if you watch the disciples, if you read the Gospels, watch what they do. It says Jesus sent them ahead into town to prepare the way. They were crowd control. Remember the time that the kids were bugging Jesus? And they're like, get away, get away. And Jesus rebukes them and says, no. Let the kids come to me. Why? Because they were trying to do crowd control like they were supposed to, right? They were doing their job. And so, he, but they were watching all of this. They were seeing what was going on. They were seeing all these things that Jesus did. And then it's, it comes into Matthew 16. All, in this time, all of a sudden, it says here in Matthew 16, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So all of a sudden, Jesus is he's wanting to know where are these guys at. You know what I love about Jesus? If you watch him, he didn't tell them, and he didn't tell people a lot of times, the answers. He asked questions and he got them to answer. He got them to find it out for themselves. He let God do that work on the inside and he drew it out. And this is what he was doing with these guys. He's like, okay, you, you're, you're with me. Now, who does everyone say that I am? Some say you're John the Baptist, it says here. 
Some say uh, you're Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So Jesus was this guy that they couldn't put in a box. He's kind of controversial. How many know he's still controversial? You wear a Jesus t-shirt, everyone, you know, gets all bent out of shape. Why? Because he, he's he, not going to put him in a box. And he's all these different things. And so he's asking, you know, who do they say that I am? And then he says here, then he asks them, but who do you say that I am? And here again, we see the working of God, and we're seeing Simon Peter here. He answers. He says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. See, there's a new type of teaching that he's beginning to show us. And I believe this is what we've got to we have got to grab a hold of again, is we need to, to get that which resonates from heaven, that which we get from God, not from Google. Come on. It's so quick. We just, oh, Google it. Google it. We'll find an answer. Google it. Google it. It's like there are some things that it needs to resonate from God himself. You need that which only God can deposit. And it says here, he says here, my father in heaven has revealed this to you, and you did not learn this from any human being. This is how personal our God is. And it, this is what he says. And you know when you hear, when, when people say, Jesus is building his church. Well, what church is he building? He's building this church. He says, now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, upon this rock of revelation, upon a people who allow the Spirit of God to reveal the truth of who Jesus is, of, of, of everything that he is, that they don't just learn it from a man, but it resonates on the inside of you. There's a witness on the inside. It's not something anyone can take away from you. This, what I'm doing, no one can take away from me. He fought me for three years. He encountered me in a way that if I was to walk away, I, 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 I no man revealed it to me. And so no man can take it away from me. Now, situations and circumstances, the devil sets you up and he tries to get you to give up. But you have to go back to where you got this. And you've got to let God fight that battle. You've got to let God begin to straighten things out. And we're going to see this in the life of Peter. I love this. Because God doesn't just take us. And he doesn't just, you know, okay, figure it out. No, he's continually working in our lives. He's continually forming us. He's continually getting pride out of us. And all the stuff that's against us. That, that's been working in us. But it comes from that place of him revealed and the reality of who he is in the midst of his working. It's continually working. He does this. And it says here, he says, you didn't learn this from human beings. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. All the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So Jesus here is establishing to his disciples, guys. He's saying, look, this is the foundation of what I'm doing in you. And the things that I'm giving you, it's not just enough that I'm teaching you. It's that something from heaven is being deposited in you. That supernatural power, supernatural ability is being given to you. It's been given to us. He says here, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's this authority. There's this, this power, this strength. But, you know, he's walking along with these guys, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're beginning to think in their own minds, you know what? We're going to be with this guy. He's setting up a kingdom, and we're his peeps. We're like... We're the, we're, the, we're the guys, right? We got the shades, and they're ready. You know, we're, we're his sidekicks. We're going to be there in his kingdom. And it, Jesus talked about his 12 and, and different things that they would, would do. But then he starts talking about his death. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to turn to it in Scripture. I'm just paraphrasing it for you. It's in there, but you need to, to, to look at this. Because in this... He begins to change the narrative. And God does this a lot. You know, there's a lot of narratives that were like, I didn't expect this. Why is this happening this way? How many have had that happen? How many have had it happen more than once? Twice? Three times? <laughs> it's like, he kind of doesn't really care about our way. <laughs> he has one thought. He has his dream, and he has his way, and it's his season. And there's a season. The Bible says there's seasons where he tears down. There's seasons where he builds. There's a time to plant. There's a time to water. There's a time to harvest. There's a time to plant seed. There's, there's a time and a season for everything, and God holds those seasons. And in, in this case, he's walking with these disciples, and they are not taking it too well. And Peter is even at the point where he begins to rebuke the Lord and straighten him out. He kind of goes to his teacher and says, um, Jesus, this isn't going to happen to you. They're not going to do this to you because I'm going to die for you. I'm going to beat them up. And you're good. And what does Jesus do? He looks at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. Because you have not the ways of God, but the ways of man in, in sight right now. But he addresses the devil behind Peter. How many know Peter's not a devil? But Satan's lies were going on, and he tells lies all the time. He's planting thoughts, and Jesus addressed them. And Peter's like, no, I... I'm going to go to the death for you. And, and you know what Jesus does? Gives him a new thought. Guess what he says? No. He says, Peter, you're actually going to deny me. Not once. Not twice. You're going to deny me three times. And when the rooster crows, 
you're going to know this. Guaranteed. It's one of the questions I'm going to ask Peter when I get up there. I'm like, Peter, did you believe the Lord when he said that to you? You actually, did you actually believe that? Like, honest. As if you can lie in heaven, right? <laughs> but I don't believe he did. I believe, because I know humanity. I know my own human will. And there's times, even when he says something to me, I still am like, no, there's no way. And he was like, no, you're going to do this. And what unfolds, we, see, we know that, that Jesus was arrested. The oppression was so bad that disciples slept the whole time Jesus asked them to pray. Watch him pray. They were falling asleep. Why? Because it was so heavy. And then, of course, he gets arrested. And then Peter's out at the crowd. And he's watching from outside by the fire. But he's seeing what they're doing to Jesus. And the crowd's are listening and they're like they hear him talking and they're like you you are with him and they start accusing and they're like you were with him and he's like no 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 i wasn't first time and then another one in the crowd no no you sound like a guy, like someone from galilee you're you're with him and another one no 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 i don't even know him and he denies him to the to the full extent Third time. And what happens? A rooster crows. And Peter remembers. Remembers what? The thought that Jesus planted that was going to begin to give him another direction, a new dream, and open a new way. And it was going to be another new season that Peter did not know. How many know that would be a crazy season? Your leader dies. He says he's going to be raised from the dead, but who knows, right? It's topsy-turvy. It's like, what, what are you doing now? And guys, I don't know if I'm going to do a thing on end-time prophecy and revelations, but there are exciting times ahead. Scary? But exciting. And when we get into end time prophecy, we be, there are things being fulfilled right now that were predicted thousands of years ago, and they're all falling in place. And some of those things, you're like, oh, you know, we could be fearful. Yeah, but God always has a plan in the midst of problems. So do you want to be a part of the problem? Because fear will keep you in the problem. Or do you want to be a part of the plan? Because faith in what God is doing puts you in the plan. It gets you to start hearing. It gets you to begin to inquire and press in and say, God, there's more. What is it? What is it? And there was this in Peter. And, and Jesus called to that in Peter. He knew Peter's zealousness, even though it was in the wrong direction, he knew Peter wanted to see this kingdom established. He just was off. And guess what? Sometimes we're part of the problem. Right? And guess what? God knows that. And he doesn't care. He can get the plan to us because his goodness is running after us. 
And his goodness is finding a way to get through the problem and establish his plan. He gets through to stubborn people. He gets through to fearful people. He gets through to lazy people. He gets through to everyone. He knows how to shake things up. He knows his kids, right? And so he's doing this. But what happens is, Peter, it says he runs off and he wept bitterly because he remembered. And he, who knows how, how, how long that happened. But then, guess what we find out Peter's doing? We're going to go to John 21 because this is what I love about the persistence of the Lord. Is he doesn't leave us where we're at. And sometimes we get, we get some blows in life that, that can hit us pretty hard and they blindside us, and it can literally, it, it totally can, dis, can get you off of your navigation. And how many know we, we began with reading that they left everything and followed Jesus? They left their nets. They left everything. Well, guess what? In John 21, they went back to their nets. We're going to read it. It says, later, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon, Peter, Thomas, uh, Nathaniel, uh, and the sons of Zebedee. And, and Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll come too. And they all, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> Another, we caught nothing all night. Peter decides, I'm going to go back to familiar. I'm going to go back to that which worked in the past. I'm going to go to that which is comfortable and that I know is going to work. Now, when God calls us out of things, he makes it so it's uncomfortable. And we can't go back to that comfort. We can't go back to that default. We're going to look at this because Peter exhorts us. We're going to read this in closing. Um, in the book of Peter, he gives an exhortation. But he exhorts us not to go back to that because he learned this. But it says here, they went back to this fishing and they caught nothing all night. At dawn, so Jesus let them fish all night and catch nothing. He kind of let them just exhaust themselves. He's like, I'm going to wait till they're good and tired. And they've got to the end of themselves. And it says here, so they went. Um, <clears throat> at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out. He said, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, and he, 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 for he stripped down to work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The, other, the others stayed with the boat and pulled and the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. 
There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. And this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. So here, Jesus is even giving them something that was a very hard thing to, to comprehend. Is like he's back from the dead. And it's the third time. Like he's working with them. And this is what I, I want us to see is he is so personal and he works with us with where we're at in their unbelief in everything that they were sorting through. Even the fact that they went back to fishing, you know, he didn't tell Peter, Peter, what are you doing? I told you you were supposed to leave the, you know, he didn't, he didn't condemn Peter. He just let him come to the end of himself. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to bless you and you're going to see that it's me again. And do you not think that that would have lodged in Peter, his first encounter? Where he fished all night, and then he caught a bunch because Jesus said, throw the net. It brought him back to his first encounter. And then it says here, Jesus served them. They ate. Then Simon, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. He says, then feed my lambs. So we're going to see what he's doing here. He's beginning to, again, give Peter new thoughts and new dreams, a new picture again, creating a new way. He says, first of all, it's little lambs. How many, like, little lambs? They're the cutest little things. And he's like, you get to feed the lambs. It's like, great. I'll do that. Feed my lambs. So then he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked, oh, wait, sorry. Um, just a minute. I'm... Then Jesus told him, and he repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then he said, then take care of my sheep. So in other words, he says, they're going to grow up and they're going to become sheep. Don't slaughter them. Take care of the sheep. Sometimes we take different parts of this journey and we're like, we want only certain parts of it. But he was bringing them and he was saying, look, you're going to feed lambs and then you're going to take care of these sheep. They're going to grow up. He was giving them a new picture. Then a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. So in other words, you're going to feed lambs, but you've got to keep feeding the sheep. And so he gives them this, this new thought. And you know, <clears throat> he was going back to the boats because it was familiar. And Jesus had told him, you're going to be a fisher of men. But he was beginning now to unfold and say, look, this is how it's going to happen. You're going to feed lambs, 
You're going to take care of sheep. They're going to grow up. And then you're going to keep feeding the sheep. And how many know sheep produce sheep? And so he gives them a new picture. And then he, this is an interesting picture, he says. He says here, um, then he said, I tell you the truth. He says, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. So he's beginning to give him another picture of his future. And he's like, you know what they did to me, Peter? They're going to do it to you. And this is, this is your future. I I'm not really looking for that vision or that picture, but there is the blood of the martyrs that prepares the way many times for God, for God to move. And we don't know when that's going to happen, and we don't know how God will unfold those things. But we have to be ready for it. And it says here, then Jesus said to him, said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Amen? Follow me. And you know, if we look at history, it's not in the scriptures, but documented accounts of Peter's death and all the disciples' death. Peter's wife was crucified with him, and she was crucified before him. So he had to watch his wife be crucified. And then he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same as the Lord. And they crucified him upside down, which is even more painful than a regular crucifixion. So God gave him the grace to be able to fulfill all the way to the end of his life and to be faithful to the very end. And this is the exhortation that Peter gives us in 1 Peter. And it's a book he wrote. And this is, I opened with this last week, and I just want to close with it. If you could um, just do some uh, background music, and then we're going to go into some worship and pray. This is what he said. He said in 1 Peter 13, uh, 1.13, he says, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. So each one of us, we have to be alive and alert and ready. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. And so you must live as God's obedient children. This is Peter writing. This is the guy we just listened to and watched his life. These are words that he's lived and now he's exhorting us to do. He says, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. How, do we be, how are we holy in everything we do? This is how we're holy. Because how many have seen where someone's allowed to do something, but you're not? And do you know what holiness is? It's holiness is God working in you. He knows you, your convictions. Others may, you cannot. 
Because each of his children, there are... I'm not talking about blatant sins. Okay, I'm talking about different things where it's like, why are they allowed this? And I'm not talking about gossiping. Gossiping is sin. Okay? But there are certain things where he just doesn't allow for certain ones, and he allows for others. And there's different times where you're at a different place in your walk. And we can't be comparing and looking at that person. We've got to know you live holy to the Lord, and it's like, what, what do you want me to do, Lord? Because it might be allowed for them, but you're not allowing me to do this. You've told me no for this. So it says, be holy in everything you do. Because uh, it says here, for the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has revealed for your sake and through Christ, you have come to trust God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. How many remember the day you obeyed, you surrendered to Jesus? You felt that cleansing. You felt like I'm brand new. You felt like I... This is, there was a, an awesome price that was paid for me. And it, it's done what nothing else could have done for me. And he's bringing us back to that. He's saying, guys, this is what you've been redeemed with. Don't forget it. It says, through Christ you have come to trust God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. I'll read it again. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Amen. Aren't you glad our life isn't going to quickly end? And even when we end, it ends, it doesn't end. Sure, the body stops, but we just keep going on. We live for eternity. We don't die. We just pass on into the next step. We got to remember, this is how we live. We live for eternity. I'm not just planning for my, my retirement plan here. I, you know, I don't believe you have a retirement plan. You, you, you fulfill the purpose of God. You never stop. You might change it in the way you are. I'm not running like I was when I was... 15 and 18 years old, but I'm still moving for God and I'm still doing things for God. That never stops. And we don't check out. We live forever. But he says here, 
not to a life that will quickly, quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Amen. Let's stand. Because what I want us to do in, in this time, there's two things that I want to encourage everyone to be asking in this season. So we're going through multiple changes as things are unfolding and um, happening. And there's so much uncertainty around us. And there are so many different things that are going on. And we're like, what step do I take? What do I do here? What do I do here? It's like, let's ask the question, God, what are you doing? How many want to know what God's doing? And he will show those things. If you ask, we have to ask the right questions. So, God, what are you doing? Ask him. He'll reveal it to you in a way that you understand. He's not going to talk to you like a scientist if you're not a brainiac and a scientist. He's going to dummy it down to you, you and me, the way where we're at. Even speak in our language. He told Peter, you fished for fish, now you're going to fish for men. I mean, no, it's pretty simple to figure out and understand. He'll talk to Daniel in basketball terms. <laughs> you know, he talks to each one of us in a way that we'll relate. So God, what are you doing? And God, what do you want me to do? Those are two really important questions that all of us need to ask. So let's put our hands on our heart. Because we, first of all, Jesus, we thank you that we have been bought with an awesome, awesome price. That the ransom that was paid for us was unbelievable. It was your very life. And it wasn't just the life of multiple sons. God, your only son, your very precious son. So I thank you. I thank you that you redeemed us by your precious blood, that you did not hold anything back. You gave yourself completely, completely for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you held nothing nothing back you paid the price in full and so jesus with that we look to you we look to you knowing that you have forgiven all of our sins if you're here and you don't know it or you don't have that assurance all you have to do is receive it ask jesus to forgive you of your sins if you're online and you're watching it's not a hard thing to be saved the bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is, is, we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That means that he is the one that is the master and the Lord. He's done it all. If you believe that and you receive that, that you are saved. That's the beginning. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your cleansing blood that cleanses us, makes us free. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus.
And so we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for new thoughts that come from you. We thank you for new dreams. We thank you for your new ways. We thank you for this new season that you have. We thank you that you, it is you, and it's your plan. We thank you that we do not have to be a part of the problem, but we can be a part of the plan. And we ask, we ask that you would show us what you are doing in the midst of it all. We ask that you would reveal that which you are doing. We want to know your plan. We trust you to fulfill that plan. And we know that you are able to reveal it in a way that we understand. So we ask that you would show us your plan. What you're doing. And Jesus, we ask you that you would also show us what you want us to do. That we would be a part of that plan. That we wouldn't just be watching as a spectator, but we would be a participator in what you are doing. What is our part? What do you want me to do? I'm not expecting everyone else to do something for me. What do you want me to do? You have an awesome plan. You are good, and it's a good plan. We do your goodness is running after. Let's just declare this. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. So, so many times we look at the bad things that are stacked up against us and we don't realize that God's goodness is greater than all that that's against us. It's running after us, his goodness. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.